VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle, rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio. We are really, really honored today to have a guest that, gosh, I have been a fan of her work for as long as I can remember. Virginia Carter is joining us. She is a tremendous leader of social change, and she's done it in one of the most interesting venues you possibly could, and that's the entertainment industry. I want you to think about some of your favorite ABC after-school specials, and chances are Virginia either wrote or produced those specials. She's also... Uh, had a lot to do with some of the best storylines in sitcoms I know you'll remember, like All in the Family, Maud, Good Times, The Jeffersons, One Day at a Time, The Facts of Life and Different Strokes, and many, many more. She's an Emmy Award-winning author and writer and producer, and I am so excited to have her on. Right now, she's working with an organization that has an amazing potential and amazing impact. She's working with the Population Media Center, and their mission is to improve the health and well-being of people around the world, and they're actually doing some really interesting work when it comes to environmental protection. Virginia Carter, thank you so, so much for joining us on Go Green Radio today. Well, Jill, thank you for the work you're doing. Well, it's uh, it's a calling, as I'm sure you can relate to. Um, I'm just terribly honored to have you as my guest on Go Green Radio. Um, I've been inspired by your work just as long as I can remember, and I can remember so many of the titles of the ABC After School specials that you produced that I can still remember exactly the storylines, the characters. Before we really get into the work that you're doing today, Tell our listeners how it is that you started as a physicist in the aerospace industry and ended up writing socially conscious themes and characters into television production. What was your path into the entertainment industry? Well, it it is one of the strangest leaps I've ever heard of. I was doing (laughs) physics at the Aerospace Corporation. I did physics because I'm good at physics. You know how people go in the direction that seems easiest? Sure. Physics doesn't sound easy to a lot of people, but for me, it just comes naturally. It's in my family's blood. (laughs) Math and physics were just the courses I could get A's in, so I did physics. And um, along the way, I realized, this is a long time ago, mind you, I realized that women weren't going to get anywhere in physics. Things have changed a lot since then, but I couldn't get a promotion to save my soul, Mm. despite the fact that I... I had graduated very near the top of my class at McGill University, I suddenly couldn't get anywhere. And uh, I published a lot of papers on studies of the high atmosphere and and, uh, the interaction of ultraviolet light with with various elements, all of which I won't bore you with. But anyway, I couldn't get a promotion, and I couldn't even get a decent salary increase. And so I began to look around, found the feminist movement, got active in that, became president of the Los Angeles chapter of the National Organization for Women, and began to meet some wonderful people. Men and women both were active and concerned about what was happening with women around the world, and 
I met a woman named Frances Lear, who told me her husband was Norman Lear and that he worked in show business, and there was no way I could have cared less. (laughs) (laughs) And she said, why didn't I have a meeting with him? And I said, why would I want to do that? And she said, you just might find it interesting. He's the cover story of Time magazine this week. What an introduction. (laughs) (laughs) I went home and looked at Time magazine, and he had just launched All in the Family, and so I watched All in the Family, and I wasn't thrilled with that. (laughs) I wasn't much of a TV watcher. But anyway, I just as a social favorite of Francis, I went and met him, and he was the most intriguing fellow. And I'd never seen a world like show business. His office was on Avenue of the Stars, and people dressed not like physicists, I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) No pocket protectors on Hollywood Boulevard, huh? And the secretary served me Perrier water. (laughs) I just wasn't used to this. And so after we'd met, uh, I thought, what fun, I'll dine out on that for years. And the next thing I knew, he was calling me from New York, and I wasn't even used to long-distance phone calls. (laughs) And he said, why don't you come and join me? And my jaw hit the ground. Long story short, I took a leave of absence from my career in physics, and I went up and and, uh, took an office next to Norman's, and he was concerned about the content of his shows, not wasting opportunities to say things and do things with the plot lines, that could matter to the American public. And that really rang all my bells. So I began to read all the scripts that were coming out of his shows. He had All in the Family, and and Maud had just started. Mm-hmm. And he was launching the Jeffersons. And I read the scripts and made comments and suggested places where we might deal with certain issues. Pretty soon, I was fielding phone calls from Harvard and the White House and all over the nation with people suggesting areas of interest that might be worked into the shows. And that became my special focus. That's incredible. And I think, you know, there's so many women out there, and and a lot of our Go Green Radio listeners are women who are involved in a variety of different, different issues. And it might be, you know, women's issues, child advocacy, what have you. But, you know, in the way that you made this career leap between aerospace and physics, to something that that you could really, really sink your teeth into in terms of creating social change. Yes. Um, I think that's really something that a lot of women are looking for a path toward, and it, it's just so interesting that it sort of fell in your lap. And, you know, Virginia, I've, I've read so much about you, and you're really known for being just a terribly bright and talented woman, so I'll bet it's safe to say that you could have decided to leave the entertainment industry if it didn't turn out to be what you wanted in a career. What made you stay in show business? What meaning or value did you find in your work that made you want to stay there? Well, it was the idea that we could do something, for example, give Archie Bunker on All in the Family high blood pressure. (laughs) and have Edith buzzing all around with that as a concern and Archie going grump, grump. Well, I could then contact the American Heart Association, tell them that we were doing the show, make sure that the information we had in the show was accurate, give them the air date. They would then count how many people were coming through their blood mobiles, having their blood pressure checked, and then we'd broadcast the show, and then they'd count how many people went through their blood mobiles the next week. And, you know, it would jump by a factor of five or ten. It was just stunning. And I thought millions of people are going through the bloodmobiles, discovering some of them that they have high blood pressure, and we were saving their lives. And I was 
thrilled by that idea. Just That's incredible. And, and I love what you just mentioned because what you're talking about is measuring success. So many times I talk with folks who have a great idea for some kind of a PR or a PSA announcement or, or what have you, and there's this idea that magically information will lead to action, but they don't necessarily measure it. I love what you just said about the measuring success, knowing that you had an impact. Exactly. I'll tell you another one we did. I had breast cancer somewhere along the way in that time, and so we gave Edith a scare that she might have breast cancer. And I got the American Cancer Society involved, and we got all the information into the scripts completely accurately, and then off we went. And we could see how many, we we could measure, literally measure, how many people were now uh, uh, writing us to say that they had gone to their doctors and begun breast self-examination, et cetera, and so forth. And I still think the most exciting thing about broadcast media is that if it's used in a socially responsible way, you can really help people and help them a lot. I think that's an incredible value. And, you know, uh, Virginia, I'm 39 years old, so I can remember vividly everything you're talking about. I remember all these plot lines on All in the Family. I think my dad didn't realize that it was, you know, that Archie Bunker was actually, uh, you know, we were trying to teach him something. My dad just thought he was the funniest guy in the world. But uh, I remember, you know, even when the Jeffersons and All in the Family collided on my dad's TV set, and I can remember every word to the theme songs of Good Times and the Facts of Life, and that was fun, before huh? there was a TV land. <laughs> you know, if it's fun, people will watch it. And if they'll watch it and love the characters, then they tend to pattern after them a little bit. And, uh, and off we go and create social change. Exactly. And you know what, Virginia? I mean, even my 17-year-old daughter has been directly impacted by your work. Her history class studied your program, WAVE, last year. The WAVE, yeah. And the WAVE is so powerful. And and those themes that you worked into, the programs that you worked on, were so timeless and so valuable. I would love to see you writing for American television again. Would you ever consider doing it again? Well, let me be clear about this. I did not write. I was the producer, the executive producer, or the senior vice president trying to direct what we were going to be doing in, in a long-term sense. I'm not a writer. I'm a physicist. I'm too pedantic. I'm too linear in my thinking. But by golly, Jill, I know good writing when I see it, and I know how important the writing is. If you don't have good writing, you don't have anything. And so I, I preach that everywhere I go. Pay attention to the writers. They're the, they're the talent that makes it all happen. After you get a good script, then you can cast brilliantly and you can do, do all these other things. But if you don't have a good script, it doesn't matter how good the cast is, you've got a, you've got a bomb on your hands. Well, that's so true. And I, I would love it if I could feel as comfortable as a parent of three children turning on the TV, as I think my parents did, when the shows that you were influencing were on. But uh, I want to talk about this pro bono work you're doing for an organization called Population Media Center. And for all our listeners, you can find them at www.populationmedia.org. Virginia, tell us a little bit about this organization and what it is about them that has inspired you to work for them. Well, let me tell you how I met them. There I was sitting in my office working on Norman Lear's half-hour comedies when through my door came this messianic figure (laughs) wanting to influence the content of our shows. Well, I'm into that. (laughs) 
and he, <laughs> and he brought us ideas that that he came to my office and we'd discuss ideas and then I'd I'd do um, memos to the producers of all eleven of our shows at that point, or I'd go down and meet with the producers and suggest the ideas that this wonderful man had brought to me. His name was David Poindexter, mm-hmm. and he was and is a, a minister, a Christian minister. Oh. Who, who decided that he wanted to make his work practical and helpful to people. So he took off his collar and went to work attempting to influence media. And his work spread, not, from, not only in the United States, but around the world eventually. And eventually his efforts morphed into an organization called Population Media Center. And that's how I got in touch with, that's how they got in touch with me through David Poindexter. The president of Population Media Center is a man named Bill Ryerson, who is one of the founding members of the National Organization for Women in Vermont. Really? A deeply wonderful man. And uh, so the people I work with at Population Media Center are kindred spirits. You know, I am ardently feminist, by which I mean I'm concerned about the the status of women around the world. Mm -hmm. And I like people, men and women, who have concerns that are similar to mine. And David and Bill Ryerson and others at Population Media Center are all working very hard to improve the lot of people in the world. And one of the ways to do that is to elevate the status of women. I completely agree with you, Virginia. And we are going to talk much more about this right after this commercial break. Please stay with us for more Go Green Radio with Virginia Carter. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. If you want to put the pep back in your step, Chad Lafferty's has just what you're looking for. Dance is life. Life is dance. It's only about dance. It's about moving through life with style, gaining awareness of the never-ending, ever-flowing movement that accompanies all of life's activities. Dance is life. Life is dance. Broadcast every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Radio Network. Be sure to tune in and tap into the limitless healing that dance can provide. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Have you ever thought about having your own Internet talk show? Well, if you said yes, then click About Us. Then click Be a Host to get more information. Or just call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417. Say that again? 480-294-6417. VoiceAmerica.com. 
You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. Today we are so honored and so thrilled to have Virginia Carter with us. She is doing some incredible work with the Population Media Center. I want you to visit their website. Don't close this web browser. Open a new one and go to www.populationmedia.org to find out more about Virginia Carter and her unbelievable career. Go to their board of directors click that little button on their on their website and there you can find out all about today's guest Virginia Carter a very accomplished woman using entertainment to create positive social change Virginia thank you so much for being on Go Green Radio What fun Jill well, though, I'm personally tempted to keep asking you questions about my favorite TV shows from the 70s and the 80s. This is Go Green Radio, so I'm going to force myself to focus. And um, I'd love for you to tell our listeners about the connection between the Population Media Center's message and their mission and environmental protection. Educate us on the effects that population growth has on environmental protection and on, and on the environment in general. Well... Population Media Center is near and dear to my heart, and they work all over the world helping third world countries, uh, countries where, where the difficulties are so huge, I hesitate to even try to describe them, uh, helping those countries improve their, their lives, people in those countries to improve their lives. And one of the most key issues here is population. I know that your audience is probably aware that behind most of the ills in the world today, there is this huge elephant in the living room, which is the rate at which population is exploding in the world. We have a real problem. As the population grows, uh, uh, terrible things are happening to our planet. And so PMC has as its focus uh, uh, a drive to help citizens in countries where populations are exploding recognize that it's an issue and change their desired family size. And we do it using the broadcast media, either television or radio. Um, And uh, to achieve our goals, uh, our goals must be the same as the goals of the country we work in. So let's suppose for a moment we're talking about Ethiopia, which is a country I've worked in. Mm we first have to be invited, the Population Media Center has to be invited to go to Ethiopia and try to help. And when we do, the idea is that we will help writers and producers in Ethiopia develop a dynamic soap opera of all crazy things. <laughs> We're going to help them develop a storyline for a soap opera that will have within it elements that will, that will uh, encourage the listening audience to change their ways. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't just go in and develop a soap opera. We have a certain methodology that we follow when we do that. First, we are invited by the country, India, China, Ethiopia, Rwanda, Mali, wherever. Uh, 
And who would and be the person inviting you or the entity inviting you? It has to be very high up in the government. When we went to India the several times we've done projects there, we, we were originally invited by Indira Gandhi. Oh. When we went to China, we were invited by Deng Xiaoping. Wow. When we went to Vietnam lately, where we were invited by the Voice of Vietnam, which is their their national radio broadcasting system. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have to be invited by authorities very high in the government, or we don't go. Right. Um, and then we have to identify what subjects we're going to be dealing with. And it oh. will always have at the base uh, the issue of population growth. Mm-hmm. And because it will deal with population growth, it will always have as its ba- at its base the status of women and girls. Absolutely. Because there is a direct link between the status of women and girls and the desired family size. Sure, uh, absolutely. Tell us about that relationship. What do you see, um, and, and, and as we talked about in the last segment, the way that you measured the impact of a storyline dealing with Archie Bunker and high right. blood pressure and all in the family. Right. How is it that you take baseline information and then measure the success of your well, let, let me program. let me explain that because it, it is key to the to the success of our project. But mm-hmm. first, let me just tell you uh, the structure of the soap opera that we do because it's very very defined. Absolutely. We develop a soap opera in which there are positive characters that espouse positive social values. They believe that their girl children should be educated. They believe that safe sex should be practiced. They believe that uh, a family should not have more children than it can care for fully, mm-hmm. etc. Positive social values. Then we develop characters that are the negative ones. They have the exact opposite set of values. They believe that girl children shouldn't be educated, shouldn't have medical care. It's okay to marry them off at the age of nine, et cetera, and so forth and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have a, a, the majority of the characters are um, neither positive nor negative. They're neutral characters. They reflect the audience. Mm-hmm. Okay? Then we go out and measure what the population believes in the arena that we're going to be dealing with. If we're going to be dealing with HIV, AIDS, uh, safe sex practices, status of women and girls, uh, female genital mutilation, etc. Whatever, whatever four or five subjects we've identified uh, and that the government has asked us to deal with, we then go and ask the public uh, what they believe. Mm-hmm. And we use demographers, both from their country and from the United States. And the questions we ask are very carefully analyzed by d- demographic sociologists so that we really are asking questions that are measurable and can be put into computers and analyzed, etc. Right. So we swing across the entire country and we ask these questions and we analyze them. And then we, we develop a hot, hot soap opera. And that's part of my job. I go and talk to the writers uh, about how to do that because but often we're countries that have never done a soap it. opera before. Right. I love it. Then we, we carefully analyze what that country purports to believe in. We look at their constitution. We see what, what international documents they're signatory to so that we in no way ever violate any principle or, or philosophic position held by that government. If the government doesn't, doesn't uh, allow abortion, then we don't talk about abortion. If the government doesn't believe in other aspects in social life, then we don't try to change that. 
right. we often actually get the church or the or the imams in the countries in question to sign off on what we're doing before we do it. That's because incredible. we're not trying to violate any of this country's principles. We're invited there to help them. So then we develop a hot, hot soap opera, and we put it on the air. And with our positive characters, our negative characters, and our neutral characters, and as the soap opera progresses, the positive characters succeed. The negative characters, we torture them. We send <laughs> plates of boils. We make them sit on sackcloth with ashes on their foreheads. <laughs> and gradually, the neutral characters shift towards positive values, in mm-hmm. which case they succeed, or towards negative values, in which case we torture them. <laughs> and after the soap opera has been going for a while, as long as we can manage it, maybe a year, maybe two, we go out and send the same demographers with questionnaires out into the countryside and ask what they now think. Mm-hmm. And we also measure how many people are going into the, the family planning clinics. Uh-huh. And we find ways to make physical, uh, uh, numerical uh, measurements of the impact of the soap opera. That's a brilliant, Virginia. And, and I they are, the, the impact is just stunning, stunning. How in Ethiopia, for example, after yeah. two and a half years of broadcasting, the demand for contraceptives went up by 157%. No Imagine. kidding. Now, they've been doing projects in Ethiopia for years and years and years, you know, putting up billboards and running social service ads on, on the radio. Sure. But people get bored with that stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. And so what you're doing is giving compelling and entertaining content that, has a message. And, you know, it's so rare in, in TV that I'm seeing today where that is done as well as it was done on the shows that you were a part of um, that I mentioned earlier in the show in the 70s and 80s, the, the shows that I remember as some of the best, because the, the, the principle or the moral of the story was not in your face. It was so natural and seamless and organic that, you know, it, it was it was really entertaining, um, and it made you feel really good. Sometimes, you know, my kids like to watch, you know, some of the kids' programming, and there's always a moral to the story, but it's so obvious that they almost roll their eyes because they're like, oh. Boring, boring. Cool. It's talking yes. down to an audience. Really awful. Yes, yes. And so what I love about what you're doing is that you can actually measure the success, and I think that that is a methodology that more folks, really ought to adopt. I think that's so sensible and yet so rare, Virginia. Well, I suppose they are. And, you know, it's, it's just missed opportunities. If you look at American programming, which is the only programming with which I am intimately familiar, mm-hmm. there are all kinds of missed opportunities. You're doing a storyline where it would be easy enough to slip in some, some value or attitude that would help. For example... When we do our soap operas, we, we try to show, among the positive characters, honest communication between the husbands and wives. Mm-hmm. You know, spousal communication is important. You need to be talking over the desired family size. You need to get these issues up on the surface and discussed openly between loving people. And if it's all kept in the back room and the guys don't talk to the gals, then how do you make progress? So we use spousal communication as one of the issues we deal with. I love that. And, I mean, you know, we see on American television today, how many times do we see, you know, the husbands, uh, 
you know, kind of making, grouping together as men, making fun of the women, the women making fun of the men. Yes. And it really undercuts that sacred, almost, you know, well, and Jill, even if you have that, it's a missed opportunity not to do what Norman called hang a lantern on it. Right. If you've got this, this negative banter going on, then you can get characters in your shows to talk about that. Oh, and Virginia. It, it rings bells with the audience because they know that's going on. And if you can just start talking about it, it helps hugely. Virginia, you are such an inspiration. And, you know, many of our Go Green Radio listeners are involved in some kind of media. And it could be print, radio, TV, blogging. Can you give each of us a way to follow your example and a way to incorporate positive social content into whatever media we're involved in? Help us change the world, Virginia. <laughs> What, what, what advice can you give us? Not only could it change the world, it is changing the world. We're in, a Population Media Center is in about 18 countries at this point. Really? And, uh, and, you know, the only thing that keeps us from, from helping more and faster is the lack of funds. You know, we, we, we are a very small organization and we need money. And when you look at how much money is spent on one jet fighter, it kills me that we don't have I want the money that pays for one jet fighter to be given to PMC so we can go into Egypt and, and, and all kinds of countries in Africa where desired family size is huge and needs to come down because we're killing our own earth with too many people. Well, Virginia, I am going to lay down this challenge for Go Green Radio listeners. Folks, if you have a blog out there, if you have a way to communicate with others, why don't you direct people to www.populationmedia.org, and there are ways on their website to get involved, to help out, to be a part of this. Start blogging about it. Um, start encouraging people to get involved and help Virginia do this great and wonderful work. Virginia, thank you so much for being on Go Green Radio, and uh, I hope that you'll come back again and tell us more about what you're doing um, to help improve the health and well-being of, of this planet and the people who populate it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure, Jill. Well, folks, don't go away. We'll be right back with more Go Green Radio in just a few moments after these commercial messages. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Tolvanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Tolvanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. <laughs> you 
You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. Wow, what a guest we had in Virginia Carter. Wasn't she amazing? Um, gosh, I just feel so lucky to talk to her, and we're going to have her back on. I spoke with her at the break, and uh, we're going to continue the great story of the Population Media Center's work. We just are big, big fans. We are thrilled to have our next guest on. His name is Matthew Woods. He's from REC Solar. He is their Vice President of Business Development, and they are on I am so excited to hear about what REC Solar has got going on. Matthew, thanks so much for joining us on Go Green Radio. Thanks, Jill. It's great to be on. Hey, I know you're busy because I keep seeing REC Solar installation trucks all over the place. How's business these days? You know, it's uh, it's definitely an exciting ride, no question about it. The economy hasn't been uh, the most stable, as we all know, but renewable energy continues to be on the forefront, and the solar industry specifically. So, albeit facing challenging times uh, surrounding us, the solar market continues to grow, and REC Solar continues to grow and prosper, even in these tough times. So, it's been... It's been exciting growth, and uh, we're definitely very fortunate to be reaping the benefits of some of the new incentives that are coming about. Well, speaking of new incentives, what effect has the federal stimulus bill had on your company in particular? So the federal stimulus bill that uh, President Obama signed was actually a pretty uh, monumental event. Um, If anybody saw the coverage, actually signed it in Colorado with a solar company, bringing even further awareness to solar electricity. Um, The direct... incentives that are being applied to solar have greatly increased our business. Where we're seeing a significant portion of the grant money for REC Solar and for the solar industry is really being applied towards more federal-based projects. So we have over uh, $400 million in going uh, solar for the Department of Defense, over $9 billion on solar for schools. So where REC Solar has really seen an increase in our business is with our government-based projects, more in our large commercial sector. But we're also seeing an increase in increased consumer confidence with our residential homeowners as they're seeing the government is even more behind solar than it ever has today, and they understand and believe it will be an industry definitely that's well-poised for the long term. So let's say that you're a government entity or or even a school, Mm -hmm. and you've heard about this federal stimulus bill, and you want to... You want to take advantage of it. Um, you contact REC Solar, then what? What's the process? Um, great question. And one of the interesting things about the new stimulus package is it's extremely aggressive working on a very short time frame. So the government is really looking for shovel-ready projects. So at the end of March, each of the states submitted to the government what their plan was for renewable energy. So California, as an example, submitted what their plan was March 23rd. The federal government will then be coming back with guidance and the appropriations of the amount of funding that will go to each state. 
Um, so if a customer reaches out to us, let's assume a school district in particular, um, what we will do is we will assist them with the overall grant application. And what we're going to be doing to really expedite that and broaden the awareness is we're going to be hosting a webinar where school administrators, government administrators can come on and better understand how they can submit for that grant money to quickly get shovel-ready solar with REC Solar in process. Tell us more about that webinar. If folks want to access that, where do they go? What's the web address or how do they sign on? So what they would like to what they should be doing is if they want to contact us via email, if they can email us at info I N F O at R E C Solar dot com or they can contact us at eight 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 OK Solar, um, or visit us on our website at recsolar.com. Any of those channels, um, we will be able to provide customers with the information um, about the webinar and about how they can further work to quickly deploying some of this uh, exciting budgetary funding for their solar projects. Now, is the webinar free? The webinar will be free, yes. We're going to be hosting it, and what we're going to be doing, Jill, is we're going to be having having and hosting a focused webinar based upon each different vertical channel, if you will, that's going to be getting the stimulus money. So a school superintendent is going to go through a slightly different process than potentially a mayor of a, a city or even a purchasing agent at a, the Department of Education, Department of Defense. So we're going to be hosting um, different webinars to make sure we're getting the right information into the marketplace so we can quickly take advantage of this funding as there is not clear direction at this point um, as to exactly how that funding will be deployed. So we want to make sure our customers are on the cutting edge of getting in line to get this money for their shovel-ready projects. Well, and that's really key because I know, you know, there, there's some, uh, sometimes a little lack of motivation on the part of some entities, and I've dealt with a lot of schools, to put together a plan if they don't know that it's going to be funded. But in this particular case, um, the only way to, to be sure that you get right up in the queue when all the details are worked out for the funding is to go ahead and put a, a plan in place. And is that what you guys are helping them do. Exactly. I mean, really the motivation is it's about job creation. It's about renewable energy. It's about deploying the capital to really reinvigorate the economy. So what we are doing is helping entities put together exactly what a plan is, understanding what their solar requirements could be, and then executing upon that accordingly. Um, an example is we're working with a few school districts who have contacted REC Solar with the expectation that they'd like to instill as much solar power as they can, assuming they're able to produce power with solar electricity that is at or below the current utility costs. And we've created a plan, we've done the engineering analysis, we've done the financial analysis, so they're able to very succinctly submit a grant application for a project that both makes sense for the school and achieves the objectives of the federal government, which is stimulating the economy, creating jobs, and providing more renewable energy into our grid infrastructure. That is so, I mean, I love the, the sort of holistic perspective that you have, not just let's get as many solar panels up on the roof as possible, but this whole idea of job creation as well. I mean, is there a sense among your clients that they're part of something even bigger? I mean, uh, I guess it would be really easy to focus myopically on, you know, we're doing the right thing, we're creating solar, you know, clean energy, but do you get a sense from your customer base that hey, we are creating jobs of the 21st century? Are you seeing that? 
You know, without a doubt, um, the great thing about solar electricity and REC Solar in particular is this company is really about creating jobs and local job creation. Um, how our business model operates is we are a decentralized organization, but we're not simply a business development company that's just selling solar systems and then um, pulling in all types of large-scale national resources to deploy them. We actually operate at the local and community level. So if we're operating in the Phoenix area in Arizona, which is one of our new markets, when we actually come into the economy and we're partnering with the local communities, every solar installation that we're selling is about creating jobs. Our company has grown in the last uh, six years from 12 employees to over 350. Um, so if you take a look at that growth, that's just unbelievable. And we continue to see it in 2009. Each new system creates more jobs, creates local jobs, and really stimulates our local economy. That's fantastic. And I mean, the, the, the great thing about solar jobs, and a lot of green jobs in particular, is that by definition, they're domestic jobs. I mean, we all know that we've lost a lot of jobs to entities overseas, but by definition, um, you know, a solar installation job is going to be domestic. You can't ship a building over to another country, have them put solar on the, the roof, and then, you know, ship it back. So that's a fantastic benefit, you know, to, to installing solar in the local area. Yeah. No, no question about it. And, you know, with the, with the new stimulus package, the Solar Industry Association is forecasting that um, in 2009, we're going to see about 60,000 jobs created in the solar industry. And those are domestic jobs, as you speak to, um, Jill, because when we are going out and installing solar systems, the great thing about the scalability of this industry, we're really employing all different types of um, employees into the company, from installers who are electricians and mechanical foremen to um, accountants to high-end professionals. We're really able to really cross the spectrum in the solar industry um, with that job creation. So I believe it's, it's assisting and stimulating all aspects of the economy. You know what I'm going to do, and I did not give you any pre-warning to this, but Matthew, I would really love to have you working with a group of folks at the community college level um, because there's a lot of focus when we talk about green jobs on training folks to be ready for green jobs. And I would love to see REC Solar belly up to the table and say, you know what, let's work on some curriculum that will help uh, kind of develop the workforce we need for, to fill those 60,000 you know, jobs that we're going to be creating. I'd love to see you guys doing that. Maybe you are already. I don't know. You know, Jill, I, uh, I don't want to take uh, any credit that's not due to REC Solar. Solar Tech, which is a fantastic uh, organization located out of the Bay Area, was put together from some of the local solar installation companies and manufacturers, is very aggressively working with many of the community colleges in the Bay Area, De Anza College um, being one of them, and they've done just that. They've created a curriculum for solar installers. Um, I believe they placed over in their first uh, quarter, first semester, over 20 people in the industry. REC Solar was one of the firms that stepped up to hiring some of those employees, and that curriculum is being created. Solar Tech is really driving the awareness, and REC Solar is participating to the extent we can. So great That's idea, so and I think cool. we need to continue to see that. That is great. Well, folks, we are going to be back with more on REC Solar and solar in general right after these commercial breaks, so don't go away. There's more Go Green Radio right after this.
talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. We are joined today by REC Solar, one of my favorite solar installation companies. They're all over the country. You've got to check them out. Check out their website. Don't close this web browser. Open another one and go to www.recsolar.com. We're talking with their vice president of business development, and boy, has business been developing over the last few weeks especially. Matthew, thanks so much for joining us on Go Green Radio. Definitely, Jill. Great, uh, great to be on. Well, I know that a lot of our Go Green Radio listeners are curious about, you know, what you're seeing in terms of your clients' motivation. What's, what's really driving all this huge business increase and, and marginal growth that, that you're seeing? You know, the, the question has come up often, Jill, you know, who are the customers of REC Solar and why are they buying solar electricity? And I think one of the great things about solar is it definitely appeals to different customers for different reasons. Um, we have people that are purchasing solar electricity strictly for the financial reasons. Um, they wouldn't be doing solar for the environmental benefits. They would only do it if it makes financial sense, and it does. We also have customers that are purchasing solar electric systems um, because of the tremendous environmental benefits. What we've really seen um, changing over the last uh, five to six months is Solar is really transitioning to becoming a great investment. It has been a great investment all along, but we often say an investment is only as good as your options. And a solar electric system, 
will generally generate a return on investment um, in excess of 10%. So when you compare that to where the, uh, the stock market has been, the real estate um, market has been, getting a guaranteed 10% return on investment with the really the only risks being whether or not the sun rises in the morning and sets in the afternoon <laughs> and the utilities continue to charge us for power is a pretty safe investment. So those customers that are looking for a safe investment want to diversify their portfolio while also doing something great for the environment, there's really not much better than solar out there in today's market. Well, explain that a little bit. Walk us through the, the, the way in which you come to that 10% return on investment. Help us understand how that works. So there's, there's some different fundamental factors that we focus on when we're talking about solar electricity and the return. Um, in this particular example, I'll talk about a residential homeowner. And take into consideration a homeowner that maybe is living in California. Um, a homeowner that's paying about 100 to $150 a month in their electric, on their electricity bill could install a solar system on their home after incentives and rebates for about fifteen to $17,000 after the eligible tax credits. If you, as you'll notice, if you're saving $150 per month, you're generating about a little over $1,500 a year in savings. So if you take a $15,000 investment that generates $1,500 a year in savings, in 10 years, the system has paid for itself. So a simple payback of 10 years or a 10% return on investment. For, for some homeowners, a 10-year time horizon is somewhat lengthy, and they don't have the capital to invest in solar. So REC Solar has partnered with a very innovative company called Sunrun, and they provide financing for solar electric systems where they're actually allowing customers with very little money down to have solar systems installed on their homes and simply purchasing the power over time at discounted rates. So Jill, what's great about the industry today is the innovation and how customers can actually install systems on their homes has broadened, and it's really opened up our customer base. Do you foresee um, a period in which um, having solar, and maybe we're already there, and I just don't know it, but, but do you see a, a point in time where having solar in a residential application would actually increase home value? Um, without a question, and I would say we are already there. There's been some recent studies that have come out um, across the board. Uh, Wells Fargo was one of the organizations that has really found that for every dollar you save in your annual electricity bill, you'll see about a $20 increase in the resale value of your home. Why is that? Because solar is one of the very few investments homeowners can make that actually will decrease their operating cost of their home. Mm -hmm. Putting in a new kitchen is wonderful. Um, putting in a swimming pool is fantastic. Uh, we've got a newborn on the way at our house, and so we understand what it's like to upgrade the internal aspects of the home, but mm -hmm. none of that really saves you money on a monthly basis. Installing a solar electric system does, and working with REC Solar, we really help our customers understand exactly what that benefit can be. And in today's housing market, where we have, unfortunately, have a lot of homes on the market, you can imagine if you're taking a look at four homes, three of them have $200 electricity bills, and one of them has a $5 a month electricity bill, mm -hmm. it makes a, a difference in which home you select. It sure does. It absolutely does, because utility costs can be so variable um, and, and so um, continuously fluctuating. That's a, that's a great point. 
Now, I'd like to know, because I love to know about goals and measurements and measuring success, what is your goal this year in terms of how many megawatts of solar energy you want to be able to say that REC solar customers are producing? By the end of 2009, what are you hoping to, to be able to say in terms of megawatts produced? So you can really take a look at size in number of systems as well as total megawatts, as you discussed. REC Solar, we will install in 2009 over 2,000 solar electric systems, and that will range in a residential system for a homeowner producing $100 a month to a large-scale, you know, one-megawatt system on a commercial rooftop literally producing hundreds of thousands of dollars of electricity. Since REC Solar uh, was started in 1997, um, we will have installed, by the end of 2009, over 5,000 solar electric systems, generating over 40 megawatts of power. So if you take a look, we're, you know, nearly the size of a relatively large uh, power-producing plant, and we're doing so with clean energy on rooftops across the United States. That's impressive. That really is. That really is. Do you, how do you set goals for, for megawatts? I mean, do you guys have, you know, a chart up like one of those mercury thermometers, like we're almost there. Do you, how do you, how do you uh, kind of rally everybody around a certain megawatt goal? Um, well, when we, how do we in, um, inspire the organization? I mean, the vision of REC Solar is really to bring solar energy to the mainstream. Um, we don't want solar electricity to be a one-off application. I mean, we are definitely dreaming of the day when we look and see a, a rooftop and we see a solar electric system and nobody even blinks an eye because it's just normal business. It's something we're used to seeing. Um, to inspire people internally, I mean, it's about taking new initiatives. REC Solar established and really partnered with Costco Wholesale, as an example, to have a roadshow program where you actually can purchase a solar electric system at a Costco register as you would a big screen TV. Oh, my um, gosh. So, you know, by really bringing solar energy to the mainstream, um, we all rally around it internally from all aspects of the organization, and we see those results every day because every single day another solar system is installed. Every single day you have another excited customer because they turn the switch on their solar system, they see their meter turn backwards. A commercial business has customers coming in and understanding that that commercial business is really motivated to do something um, clean and green for the environment. Environment and that that's really being received well in this environment today. That's that's awesome. And did you hear that, Go Green Radio listeners? When you go and buy your toilet paper in bulk at Costco, you can go ahead and scan a solar panel. I think that is just that's about the epitome of making something mainstream. If you can scan it at the register at Costco, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Now we know that you know people who might be thinking about investing in solar have a lot of choices. But I'm going to give you a chance to tell Go Green Radio listeners why they should go with REC Solar. What makes your company unique in terms of, you know, customer benefits? What, what, what's in it for customers if they decide to go with REC Solar? You know, one of my, my favorite questions, uh, Jill, because there are a lot of choices in the solar industry. Um, there's over 2,500 companies that are installing solar electric systems, which is great because it shows that the market is working and that's creating jobs. REC Solar has installed more solar systems um, than any other company in the U.S., 
What makes us great, it really comes down to the people, the people that work both within the organization as well as our customers. Over 40% of our business annually comes from customer referrals, and that's the best type of business to get because those are people that have already worked with us. They understand the value that we provide, and we really strive to provide the best customer experience. Of course, the products that we're providing also have to be world-class and are industry-leading, which is why REC Solar has partnered with many manufacturers of products. And the pricing has to be competitive. So having the best people, having the best products, having the best price, and the most experience in the industry, we believe makes a very compelling value proposition for customers to select to work with REC Solar in both the residential and large commercial segment. And, you know, that's... That's been demonstrated. Thank you so much, Matthew, for joining us. And uh, best of luck to you and the REC Solar team. Folks, we'll be back same place, same time next week with more Go Green Radio. Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.